I'm Tara. I'm Ryan. We love Disney movies. So we decided to watch them all, from Snow White to Frozen 2 and beyond. Each episode, we'll watch a different Walt Disney Animated Studios film and tell you all about it. Did we like it? Does it hold up? Who's our favorite hero? Or villain. We'll give you history and fun facts about each movie. And sometimes, we'll invite our friends to watch along with us. So put on your tiara. Or your evil crown. And join us on our adventure. This is Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Hey listeners, we are super excited. We've got a very special guest with us today. Uh, yes, we've got, you know what? I didn't ask if you wanted to be referred to as Amanda or Amandar, because I feel like in everything I have, it's Amandar. <laughs> we, we can stick to Amandar. Okay, we'll that. do that. So this, is, this is our friend uh, Amandar. Uh, Tara, why don't you guys tell us about how you two know each other? My my story is I know her because Tara knows her. Well, and it's so funny. Do you remember how we, like, when we first met? Because I don't remember, like, a very specific meeting. I just remember knowing you from college and, you know, being together in so many different things. But I don't know that I have a specific, like, first memory yeah. of meeting. No, I think it was just one of those things where, like, we, we had the same groups of friends and it just sort of like organically happened yeah we like just started hanging out and amanda is also a music therapist woohoo yay music therapy so uh so we have that connection and we were in the same fraternity together so we've got like a lot of different connections yeah (laughs) i forget sometimes too it's okay (laughs) i think the only reason i know about it is because i was like going through stuff and you have those folders and yeah i've got like some binder that was like uh like not a binder but like a yearbooky kind of thing with the the like with the letters no what is that binding called that's like you do it on like a journal or something it's like spiral bound oh yeah that you get it spiral bound yeah yeah, Yeah, you like go to office depot or whatever like i pulled it i was like what is this because you're younger than me and that feels like some some type of thing that would be antiquated by the time I left college well we spiral bound our we spiral bound our book when we were writing uh here's a plug for a book I wrote listeners music memory and meaning get Mm -hmm. it on Amazon Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh when we were editing it we spiral bound them so they were like easier to flip through maybe that's an old way of doing things but we did that and that was like three years ago yeah wow so Amanda what is Amanda's also published so Ooh, that's true. Give a shout out yes. to your article. Music therapy perspectives. Um, the title is Adolescence Perspective Experiences of Music Therapy in, in an Inpatient Psych uh, Unit. So, mm-hmm. but so what? What do you think? Like, I, I know we we want to say you're only our third guest, our fourth guest spot, but our third guest, right? Really? I feel F- like we fourth, more. fourth. Yes, I. I hate to say this, but I always forget about Chris because Chris was so early and that was so long. Oh, ago. I know it was long ago. Yeah. I always yeah. Keep Chris see, in my listen, heart. Amanda, Amanda. See, now I'm going back and forth to be professional, <laughs> but Amanda, she knew exactly what episode Chris guessed. Yeah, guessed I, I'm a fan. I am an OG. Love it, fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? What are some like early Disney memories you have? Is this like your favorite Disney movie? Do you have a favorite? Like, can you tell us anything about like when you were growing up and you remember? I always hate to say like your earliest Disney memory because it's something that's so ingrained with childhood. I don't know that anybody has a specific, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I don't really have a specific memory. Like I want, I really wanted to do this movie in particular because I knew it was a staple movie growing up, but I honestly don't remember much from it. 
The only thing that I remember from it is that my dad always quoted the rabbit of "I'm late, I'm late, I'm late." Like every time he was, every time he was late to work, he always used to say that. And that's like the only thing that I really remember. Um, but yeah, like I I grew up with Disney uh, most of my life. I, I feel like probably Beauty and the Beast um, was probably one of my top ones growing mm. up. Um, but but yeah. Um, yeah, like, I wanted to do this Alice in Wonderland in particular because, like, I've always been into, like, the absurdist, surrealist, like, mm-hmm. I really love Salvador Dali. Like, I feel like this kind of, like, art form I'm really into. Um, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I, I really love animated movies in particular. It doesn't yeah, I know you're a big. I know you're a big uh, studio. Is it Ghibli or Ghibli? Is it GIF or GIF? I have no idea. It's a good, good studio, question. Studio, Studio Ghibli. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's a studio because that's one reason I I know you. Well, I mean, I, one of the things we did together when we used to live all in the same neck of the woods yeah. was we. Uh, I think it was for your birthday. It was yeah, for your birthday. Yes. We saw the the, fl- the the flying one. It was the, the, the wind also rises. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's it's interesting. I don't know if we'll keep this part in. I've been thinking about once we get done with the Walt Disney animated ones. That's one of our choices could be, especially since they're all on HBO Max now, is going through and doing those. But but we've got quite we've got, a while. We've got a year before you start thinking about that. Um, <laughs> we've got a bit of time. So but Tara, also, why don't, I'm, well, oh, I'm also curious too. Um, since you are an oboist, did you ever like play any Disney music as you were learning oboe or like, did you do any scores like performing on anything at some point? Yeah, I think, uh, one of the biggest ones was the Pocahontas, um, oh God, what is that? That like main song. The Colors of the Yes. Wind? Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. That was a big one for Ben. Um, and oh, I was like, is that a big oboe feature? No. I don't remember. <laughs> but it was you know, just the, a, the ma- a melody. The famous Native American yeah. yes. instrument, the oboe. <laughs> well, yeah, the I, double-reeded oboe. I definitely used to have like one of those like solo oboe books, like Disney books that had like the CD accompaniment. Um, yes, yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, nice. I thought you might, so I figured I'd ask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's one of my favorites. Did you happen to listen to our Make Mine music and the Peter and the Wolf? Yeah. Oh, I... Was the oboe on it? No, it was bassoon. Bassoon's oh, the one oh, I like. Ryan has oh, yeah. found out he really loves a bassoon. Like, ever Seems since awesome. Fantasia, I feel like. Yes. <laughs> You've now I'm noticed like, Oh, I like this. Yeah. like, that's another like, bassoon. That's another bassoon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the bassoon is pretty great. So, well, let's... You know, as you've, if we haven't said it, you can probably guess we're doing Alice in Wonderland today. So, Tara, do you want to hit us up with a synopsis? Sure. Give it a second because she was enjoying her time with Amanda. I was. I have it here. (laughs) Didn't have it up. So, uh, here it is. Alice stumbles into the world of Wonderland. Will she get home? Not if the Queen of Hearts has her way. I thought that was a really funny, <laughs> a little funny line. Like it's very ominous. It makes it. It sounds like a really short blurb for like a mystery novel. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, this one does get you know a little intense with Alice not knowing what's going on. So I guess that kind of fits. But it was 1951. Uh, and it got an 81% on Rotten Tomatoes. So it's based on Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and the sequel, Through the Looking Glass. And so 
The Adventures in Wonderland was 1865 and Through the Looking Glass was 1871. And so, Amanda, did you read both of them or did you read just the um, Alice, the Adventures, Alice's Adventures in Wonderland? I, I just got through Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. But That's great. Yeah. No, I'm so pumped that you read it. I'm really excited <laughs> yeah. to kind of hear comparisons and things like that. Um, what had you read it before, or was this your first time going through it? Yeah, I have I have read it before, but it's been a really long time, and I think uh, you know, as I, I don't think I I've read it since I I've been like a an adult, so it was yeah. interesting to revisit it. Uh, and what did you think? Did you have any like yeah. specific feelings, or like what did you what did you think about it when you reread it? Definitely a little like. Like mostly good. I I had I have like four points. I wrote, wrote them down. So like there's some challenging things and then like overall like really nice things too, but like the one really challenging challenging thing was like the character of Alice. Like I thought that she came off as highly entitled and judgmental like interesting. <laughs> and I I was like really over her by the end of of the book. <laughs> <laughs> and um and I like the other thing about it too is that like the way that I remember Alice being presented and, and it'll be interesting whenever I, I see uh, we watch the movie too is that like you know she came off you know, she's blonde haired blue eyed you know probably like upper class and like going to this world that um where she's like bossing people around like I don't know yeah I kind of I kind of I I'm digging too deep. I know I am, but that's like where my head. No, is. not at all. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we go there too, so it will be interesting to see on a rewatch, like my, watching it as an adult. Yeah, yeah. My remembrance is she's she's upset that she has to be so proper and <laughs> not silly, and then immediately goes to the silliest place on earth and is like judgmental of everyone there. Yeah, yeah. So there was, if, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So there was that, and then. Um, like, some parts of it, since it was so nonsensical, like, some parts were legitimately hard to read. But at the same time, <laughs> some of them were, like, really hilarious, too. And I, he breaks the fourth wall a few times and talks, like, directly oh, to, <laughs> to the reader. Um, and I think that uh, the, the really cool thing that I love the most about it is that, like, whenever the sister comes back in toward the end... Like, there's this whole uh, piece about, like, how important uh, childhood imagination is. Um, and, like, you know, just just remembering when she was Alice's age, like, how she sort of, like, took that for granted. And, and I thought that was really sweet. Um, so, yeah, those were my, my main takeaways from, from re- reading the story. Yeah, so, I love that. I'm really looking forward to, like, seeing if they hold true in the movie as well yeah. or, like, what, you know, what Disney did as the differences. I know you want to go into the movies, right? Well, I, I, have, a, I have something I want to ask uh, uh, Amanda. Oh, right yeah, go ahead. Something I want to ask all of us, but I do want to remind, I do want to tell the parents out there who have this plane while they're looking after the kids, time to skip forward maybe a couple minutes because <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask... <laughs> Do we think he was on drugs when he wrote this? Oh, definitely, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot, there's a lot of like different uh history with that. But yes. so to mention, first I want to mention that supposedly it was a box office failure, but it's funny what a failure means, but also we had just done Cinderella, so Cinderella will have come out once we get to this. Cinderella was widely like so much money. Basically everything that Disney 
became building Disneyland. All these different things came from the money they made off Cinderella. Wow. And Cinderella was fourth at the box office that year. I just looked. Alice in Wonderland is so, not even in the top ten. Yeah, yeah. Alice in Wonderland was a box office failure, but here's the actual numbers. The budget was $3 million. It made $5.6 million. So oh. it still made more than the budget was, but Cinderella was like 200 and something. Cinderella was wild, hmm. the numbers on that. Maybe since then, Cinderella's probably made $200 million. I think at the time it made about 10 Oh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because the stuff when I see it, it says that year, and like things aren't. The, there's oh, only one that's double digit millions. In that year must have been what it was year. then. That must have been overall. Which, but do you want to real quick hear the top three of that year? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. It was uh, Quo Vadis, which I've never heard of. Yeah. Uh, Showboat, which I have heard of, and David and Bathsheba. I don't know that either. It looks like some sort of like sword and sandal uh, <laughs> with Gregory Peck. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. What was that noise? It was, it was Gregory Peck. Is that what Gregory Peck sounds like yes. to you? Is that what you hear? Is that yes. what you hear when you're listening to uh one not what was it called? To kill a mockingbird? It's like this man is innocent. <laughs> 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 I love it. Um, it was nominated for one Academy Award, uh, and it was for Best Music, Scoring of a Musical Picture, but the winner was American in Paris. Mm. So that's actually what won. And I wanted to mention something else about the music, but then this is where I have like have to scan my notes, but I know I've got it here. Well, did you have something on the drug influence? Because I want to I do, yeah. I do Let's have that. that. Do you want to go to that first? Yes, because all these the parents are waiting to hop forward. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> forgot. Yes, oh, I forgot. You told okay, me to If you hop ahead. forward this much, we haven't talked about it again. Hop forward a little more. <laughs> I forgot. So all I have is that it became a cult film in the 60s, and it followed the counterculture movement as well as drug culture and it specifically references jefferson airplanes the white rabbit in 1967 Mm -hmm. and now of course for me when i hear the white rabbit i actually no longer think of alice in wonderland i think of the sopranos because of that episode where it plays at the end that's interesting because i went to go see a blue man group show and i always think of blue man group because they played it there do you have do you have an association with the white rabbit song when you hear it actually whenever i like the white, like even the the rabbit hole like thing. I always think the Matrix. Like that's that's where my my mind. Oh is. yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. It's always it always has to do I think with an altered state of being. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's what they say too about like this is the books were one of the best examples of the literary nonsense genre. So that idea of like just being like completely otherworldly i guess well and that was interesting because so i found the same it was the same genre of uh, the same i think company that did the uh or a series of making of documentaries for this one and it this was the first one where i felt like everyone wasn't like this is the best disney film ever made they were all like oh this was a lot of fun <laughs> like the one guy who was always like he's always like dumbo was the best piece of ours pinocchio was so beautiful cinderella this one he goes yeah, those ones were really good. This one was a lot of fun. Like, huh. just seemed really, I forget, something gold. I think his name's Eric Goldberg. And he was just, he, he seemed like to enjoy this one, but it was, it was definitely, and the other thing, the uh, the making of was about 11 minutes long, whereas I feel like every other one was 30 minutes. And this one was like, yeah, okay, here you go. Yeah, I, I also feel it was just, 
so different, you know? It, all of their things have been based on other stories or novels or folk tales or things like that, but because it's nonsensical, I feel like mm-hmm. it kind of was very different from what they'd done up to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, to go back to the music for a second, it says that, from what I read, this movie has more songs and characters than any other Disney animated film. What? Yes. So I found that really interesting, and... There were more songs composed for this movie that they didn't, they wound up not using them. So they reworked them and they're in Peter Pan. So like the crocodile song and there's, I think I'm flying is another one. And so I'm assuming it's the melodies that they reworked. Uh, I didn't really say one way or another. Um, Well, that was one of the things in the documentary. They talked about how they made, they made this work because for one thing Walt has been was trying to get this off the ground since the 30s. Yeah, I read it was in development for over 10 years. Yes, and he was trying different stuff. There's a short uh, I forgot to look these uh, to watch some, but I will and we'll post them up on the group. But there were a uh, um, another reason to get back on Facebook, Amanda. Um, there <laughs> there was there was a series of shorts he did where it was like a little girl kept going into um, her name was Alice, and she would go into, like, his animations. Oh. And I don't think it was specifically Wonderland, but it was things like she'd fall down holes and do stuff like that. Interesting. And that was always his interest in it. And then later they kept going through all these versions of, well, like, what do we want to do with this and how we want to do it? At one point it was supposed to be a live-action uh, woman who who uh, went into the world. But they couldn't quite get that together. And at one point, when they were really thinking about it, in the uh, they had Ginger Rogers was supposed to be the live action. I saw action. that. Oh, yeah. Gosh. And I also have that there was an adaptation in the 30s that was more true to the book. Mm-hmm. And it. did you hear about this in your research? And it wound up being rejected because it was too scary. Mm. So I... Yes, they show that. And they, they, they did a story they, they did a version of it like just the storyboards with their version they go this isn't the disney style like everybody it was supposed to look more like the famous illustrations in the book but that looked horrifying yeah well and here it says that the hatter and the hare chased alice with knife and scissors um the cat the cheshire cat had like hundreds of very sharp teeth and alice was nearly beheaded by a grinding gear oh so that gosh. was like an cool. adaptation in the 30s yeah i don't think any of that happened in the book yeah, so that was an interpretation that they, they went away from. They didn't um, keep that. There's something uh, – speaking of adaptations, so have you got I, – I, I, when I was a kid, they had another adaptation um, that had, like, Red Buttons was the rabbit, and I think Ben Vereen was the Cheshire Cat. Ooh. And it was, like, a TV version. And we'll have to find it because it's, it's a two-part TV movie. And at the end, she meets the Jabberwocky, who looks like a garbage bag monster, but like also like like it looks like it's like rubbery, but it's like dripping. It's it looks like the Xenomorph from Alien and a dragon and a bunch of garbage bags. Huh. And we'll have to put it up there because when I was a kid, it scared the living daylights out of me. Yeah. I, it scared me so much. So we'll find that and put that. But I just want to know if either of y'all have seen it. Sound no. Like answers, no. Yeah. But uh-huh. so let's go back real quick to what we we're talking about with the art because it yes. re- this whole thing really took off because of a woman who worked in the, I believe she was an art director and kind of the uh, uh, she would do illustration she was the art directors did illustrations that would lead the animators going forward. Hmm. Her name was Mary Blair, and she had a lot to do with the movies after this one too. But this was the one that I think kind of started off with her, and it was such a good job of color 
she got a lot of her color ideas it said in there coming out of she was part of el grupo the the group that went down to south america oh yeah and so she did these vibrant colors and she did a lot of stuff like one of her big things was black and grays with the red of the cards on top of it Mm -hmm. excuse me and that sort of thing um but she also, I believe, was the woman when we saw the the Imagineering documentary, mm-hmm. who was in charge of coming up with like the idea for "It's a Small World." Oh, okay. I believe I have to yeah. double check that. But Mary Blair is someone we should all look out for. She's also one of the like harshest looking women I've seen <laughs> on a Disney doc- documentary. Extremely talented, but just looks like she's like going to put me in detention, like just <laughs> very much. Well, it was hard for women about- back then. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, just I feel like just celebrating the fact that she was so prominent yes. in the world of animation yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, and talking about talking about the animation, we also talked a little bit with Cinderella about the live models. They did a lot of live models of stuff at, before they were animating and while they were animating. So we have a couple things about that. The one I wanted to mention is um, the voice of Alice. She was also the live action model. And her name, I have it here. Also the voice of Wendy and Peter Pan. Yes. Catherine, Catherine ba- Baymont, B-E-A, Beaumont, B-E-A-U-M-O-N-T. Sure. Catherine Beaumont, I think. Um, she also was the live model as well as the voice. And when Alice is in the rabbit's house and she grows and she gets really big, they built a scale model of rabbit's house so she could sit inside of it. And then they realize they had to rebuild it as a frame house so they could see how she moved inside the house. So I thought that was really cool. And I kind of was, it was kind of fun to imagine like an actual like person inside of a house, like a house built like that. I thought that was kind of neat. Another live action thing that was shot in live action was when they brought in Ed Wynn and I forgot the man who did the uh, March hair, but they brought him in too. But the Edwin story is a little cooler. Yeah. Because they bring him in and there's video, the video, film footage of this. Um, and it's funny because I saw it in like a 1950s uh, making of where it was, which is funny because making of nows are like very like, we want to really get it. Back then it was obviously very staged because they kept cutting to these stage pictures of the animators drawing and Edwin. Smiling and smiling up like, at oh, Edwin. Oh, that Edwin. Yeah. <laughs> like they just like. Like, I think Walt, I think, uh, uh, what's his name? Was it Walt Kimball? I think so, Who yeah. had Ward, Ward Kimball. Ward Kimball. I think he had a pipe in his mouth. It was so ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, he's sitting there doing his whole, like, butter yet, butter two spoons. Mustard. Don't, and he's, let, don't let's be yes, silly. Yes, but he's doing yeah. the whole thing. And apparently they were just letting him go. Like He, <laughs> he was really ad-libbed that whole thing. Yes, That's he ad-libbed that whole line. And he yeah. did it, and they went, okay, it wasn't in there. And you tell the story about what Walt said to them. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, apparently, they're doing all this for the live action and for the animators. And Walt said something like, that's really funny. You guys need to put that in there. Like, that should be in there. And they were like, well, we can't. Because, like, there's all this background noise, and, like, they're not recording it for sound to be put into the film. And Walt goes, well, that's your problem. (laughs) And like, we've read this with other movies that it's like when Walt wanted something done, he didn't really care. Walt gets what Walt wanted. Yeah, he was basically just like, you go figure it out, but this is what I want. And And they figured it out. And Ryan's got the story behind that. Apparently what they did is they brought him back in to redo the lines and they kept trying and they couldn't get the same energy. And finally they just went, well... Well, I guess we'll just clean it up as best we can. And so yeah, they had hear sound the movie, technicians come in to yeah. try to edit it a little bit. And what you hear in the movie is what is from that 
live action take so yeah uh i i want to get to the like us to watch the movie but i had a couple interesting facts about the woman who played alice and Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to talk about that um she also narrates the ride in disneyland which i believe is a dark ride isn't it in disneyland so her voice is the narration of the dark ride in disneyland uh, which I thought was really cool. And she is currently alive at 82 years old. She's oh, the wow. only living character still around from Alice in Wonderland. And I looked it up because my facts were from 2016. And she is still alive and well. She's 82 years old this year. So I found that really exciting. couple voices to listen to. Uh, yes. See if you recognize yeah. the Cheshire Cat. And see if you recognize the uh, Red Queen. Yes. We have mentioned the Red Queen yes. um, in several things. But yeah, she is... Uh, very famous here. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention that we're always on the lookout for, there's two things here. This was the first Disney animated feature where the voice talent is credited on screen with the characters they play. So they list, I believe, we'll watch for it, but I believe they list their names with the name of their character. And apparently that doesn't happen again till Jungle Book in 1967. So huh. I'm not sure as to why. I don't know what the decision was for that, but I found it interesting that it's not consistent. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing, we started this with Cinderella, is a hidden Mickey, which I will just say, listeners, the the hidden Mickey in Cinderella was a little bit of a stretch, (laughs) but we'll try to post the photo once... it comes out, but the hidden and maybe Mickey, we're looking at the wrong one. Maybe, yeah, it. we'll have to look it up. But the hidden Mickey for Alice in Wonderland that I found is it's when she grows and gets stuck in Rabbit's house. The dodo bird uh, has a flame as he's lighting his pipe, and supposedly in the flames, there's a Mickey in the flames. The dodo bird. Yeah, the dodo bird yeah. comes in. I don't even remember this mm-hmm. character. So yeah, as he lights his pipe, supposedly in those flames, we're gonna have to look for a hidden Mickey. So that's what I had there too. Cool. Spoiler alert! I don't think we're gonna find one. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the one in Cinderella, we like paused it, rewound it, like still didn't see like, it. Like looked right at it and went, "That okay? I guess. I guess that's it." So I'm hoping it's a little clearer, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Amanda, are you got anything extra for this? I have you guys seen the Tim Burton one? Okay, so, so anyway, we're going to go <laughs> I have seen the Tim Burton one, and I had something interesting to say about that just with the uh, walrus and, what is it, walrus and the carpenter? Mm-hmm. So the walrus and the carpenter, they're, the dates on the calendar are the same as it would be in March 2010, and that's when Disney released the Tim Burton version. Ryan's rolling his eyes, <laughs> I thought it was cool. Uh, but yeah, I remember seeing the Tim Burton version. What were your thoughts on the Tim Burton version? I don't know. I was pretty lukewarm to it. I, I didn't really. Yeah, uh... that's how I felt the same way about the Tim Burton one. I remember coming out of it being like, okay, well, that I'll, was. I'll tell you what. Like... I love the Danny Elfman theme, the Alice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did like yeah, that. that yeah. I really liked that because remember we went to go see that Tim Burton concert and that was in it. I was like, oh, yes. we'll play something for this. They played. I'm like, oh, this is really good when you're not. Your eyes aren't being assaulted by horrible images. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I will say, I just love the Mad Hatter so much. And I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't super thrilled with that interpretation of it. But uh, to segue into the the Mad Hatter, uh, I've got something kind of fun here that the phrase, Mm -hmm. the Mad Hatter is based on the phrase, mad as a hatter. And I legitimately went down a rabbit hole i know why this is uh and it's so fun so i didn't know this amanda do you know the history of mad as a hatter i think so but keep go ahead 
Yeah, so it's the hat industry of the 19th century used mercury Ooh, exclusively. So, okay. Yeah, and Ryan's nodding his head. I didn't know C- continue, this. Continue, continue. Yeah. The, the listeners might not. So, liquid mercury is one of the causes of mercury poisoning, which is said to have caused brain damage. And here are some of your symptoms. Slurred speech, memory loss, and tremors, and behaviors that can be seen as insane. That was word for word. So, uh, what in the hat uses mercury? That I didn't... Like, what tool? That didn't yeah. say. It just said that, like... They used it extensively, so I it must have been used in like maybe as in maybe the making of yeah. it and the materials. I don't know. Maybe as maybe. like an, ad, an adhesive or something. Um, yeah, maybe. that that I'll have to so I'll have to do a deeper dive and find yeah. out specifically what it was used for. But um, I just thought that that was kind of a fun fun little fairy tale. I guess not a fairy tale fact, but a historical <laughs> fact. But yeah, guys, I think I think we're good. Amanda, are you good? Yeah. yeah. We're good. All right, so let's uh, take this this one out of the out of the clamshell and pop it in the old VCR. All right, we'll see you on the other side. Well, we are back. That was, was a trip. It was a journey. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what did you think compared to because I know you just read the book and like we talked about how you watched it when you were younger what were your thoughts uh, on it overall well, yeah I think um, like compared to the book it definitely like I liked Alice in the movie way more than I did in the book I think like it, in the in the movie I feel like it was like she was much more like almost Snow White-esque like naive and you know still child still like this overall arching theme of like trying to figure things out and I feel like that that sort of goes along with like the the whole like theme of of the the movie and she um, was more palatable as a heroine than I think you described her in the book yeah like Mm -hmm. she was fun and interesting and like she's very curious which went I along with it enough that it was interesting but it also didn't take anybody's like ridiculousness at certain levels yeah yeah yes. she's a lot better than i remembered her Good yeah time. i feel like she had a little bit of agency to her mm-hmm. too which i liked yeah but. i we joked during this whole movie i don't remember a whole lot of i it. know i was, I was like, like ryan are you sure you've seen this movie because there's a lot you didn't remember but there is a lot in the movie. I think there's a well. good chance that, like, I always talk about DTV and everything. I feel like they divided this up into segments for things to show on Disney Channel. They very well could have, yeah, really? uh, yeah. for content and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess we'll get into it. And basically what we're going to do is kind of break it down like we usually do. A lot of this is so visual that it is going to be hard to describe a lot. So we'll try to highlight all the characters and, like, each kind of story that comes on. But... I noticed how fun the credits were. You did yeah. see all the characters in the credits. It was the first time that they did that, and I really liked it. I'm unsure as to why they stopped doing that and then started doing it again, but I really enjoyed the opening credits. I like them, too. I like the artwork. Yeah, I did, too. The The look of the whole movie was very beautiful, and, and the characters were fun. Like It was very beautiful, but yet still very cartoony. Like, mm-hmm. you talked about Bambi looking like an Impressionist painting or how detailed Snow White or Pinocchio was. This felt like kind of the cost-saving uh, 
cartoon, but the colors were very vibrant and interesting, I thought. Yeah. 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 Well, and even as it opens, like it kind of goes from the beginning, it being very vibrant. It opens with it's her sister, right? I think so. Uh, Reading to Alice and Alice is up in a tree with her cat Dinah and, you know, she's not interested because the book doesn't have any pictures. And she said in her world, all the books would have pictures and she's basically daydreaming through her studies. Uh, And she goes into a field of daisies with Dinah and sings in a world of my own, which that's when Ryan realized he's never seen the opening of the movie i don't think you so. didn't remember I, that song and that one i remember pretty well i don't know about you amanda no no and i i don't think that the opening sequence is super memorable anyway and yeah it, especially yeah. compared to the rest of, of the movie so mm-hmm. maybe that could be part of what is how quickly can we get down the rabbit hole well that's next. yeah yeah i, I yeah. have i i would like to call my mother and ask I don't think we watched this one because I don't think she likes it. That could be I'm very true. I have a very strong feeling that that might be of I just caught bits and pieces off Disney Channel. And we never said yeah, that. Yeah, or maybe it wasn't on DTV, but maybe they aired it on Disney Channel and you just caught it while it was on and well, then like walked away from it. No, you know I mean? think they did it. Like, remember how I used to talk about since their lineup used to have weird, they'd have weird spaces in between. Like, they could have a show that ended at like three eleven. Three three eleven, mm-hmm. and then um, like they didn't have anything till three thirty, but they would have nineteen minutes to fill. So they'd show cartoons, they'd show one song from DTV, things yeah. like that. I think they broke this up like they did make my music. Oh, because you fancy, could break free. up the story. Yeah, you could just do you bit. could do like the Mad Hatter scene, or you yeah. could do the her in the house scene. And so essentially, we yeah we see that she's like singing, and she looks in the reflection of the water, and then that's when she sees the rabbit. And so the rabbit comes running in, um, you know, I'm late, I'm late, and you know he does his whole bit, and it's the running theme for him. It's just a rabbit in a waistcoat. I know. And then she's like, "Wait a minute, a rabbit in a waistcoat." And then we noticed, uh, Mandar noticed that his eyes were red, and they were. His eyes are like bloodshot red for pretty much. The whole movie, I think, his eyes are red, yeah. and he's very stressed. And then we were mentioning how white rabbits do have, like, pink, mm-hmm. red eyes, especially when they're first born. So we we went there with it. Uh, but he has a famous voice. We recognized his voice, and Ryan looked it up, and it is... Mr. Smee. I'm sorry, I blanked on it. I was sitting there. He's, did a, he's done a couple other voices, but the big one I remember him from is Mr. Smee. Mr. So Smee. We'll, we'll see him next week. Yeah, which is or hear exciting. Him, rather. Uh, and so I'm a big Mr. Smee Homer. I like Mr. Smee. I love Captain Hook too. Uh, so she climbs into the rabbit hole and she falls down and, uh, she, can I, can I just jump in real quick? Go ahead. I know there are so many crazy characters speaking of which. So Amanda, Tara, me jump in when you get to one that you really like and let's dive into that. Yeah, definitely. There are some ones coming. Yeah. Yeah. So when she first falls into the rabbit hole before she falls, she like Dinah stops herself, but Alice doesn't. So mm-hmm. she falls and Dinah's up there and Alice is just like, bye, Dinah. Like, Does Dinah wave? I don't remember. I don't know I that really I caught it. I feel like I have this very vivid memory of Dinah like doing a paw wave. But Alice seems totally cool with just floating down this rabbit hole at first. Like she's kind of just like taking it all in. And we notice the lighting on her before she... There's a lamp on a table and before she's floating by. Yeah, that's floating by. And before she turns it on, um, the lighting of her was really interesting. And so she kind of floats down and there's all this kind of furniture and different things floating up, floating down as she's going down. 
And then she sees the rabbit again. And so she goes to run and she has to open all these doors. And each door she opens, it gets smaller and smaller. And so she's able, I think, to go through that set of doors. And then she comes into this other grand room where she sees a curtain. Curiouser and, and curiouser. Yes, that's curiouser a, and curiouser. That's another line I remember. And then that's when she meets the doorknob. And what I wanted to say about the doorknob here is that is the only character in this film that was not in the books. Oh, for real? That's what yeah. my note said. Yeah, that he was the only one that didn't appear in the books. And I feel like that doorknob has an appearance in like the parks and stuff like that. Like he's like yeah. pretty memorable as a character in this. He has. He's got a fun. He's got a lot of funny like dad jokes, like doorknob like puns. <laughs> he's really pleased by himself. Yes, and <laughs> and so what's curious about him is he tells her to try things and do things and look for things and then they appear. Mm -hmm. So she couldn't have done it until he said it, essentially. So the first thing is the bottle on the table. Well, why don't you try the bottle on the table? And then this glass table appears with a bottle and it says, drink me. And then she gets very, very small. And uh, he says she's just the right size, I think. And then he says, well, you brought the key with you, right? And she's like, what key? And then she looks up and a key appears on the table. So now she's trying to get the key and then a box appears and he's like, well, why don't you look what's in the box? And then she eats what's in the box and then she gets very big. And then this part I remember pretty vividly is her crying these giant tears and it flooding the whole room because she's crying so much. Um, and she's crying and she winds up getting small again and then goes into the bottle, and the bottle is floating in the water, and that's where we hear the doorknob garble, which it seems like a character in every Disney movie. Alice does it a little bit, too. She at one does, point. yeah. And I think the Mad Hatter, one of them yeah. do it at the tea party, too. Like, I think the Mad I, Hatter I with bubbles. I need to look up how they're doing this, because I feel like it's something they're doing in post. Yeah, and the, it the, seems you like... You know it, what we're talking about? I don't know if you, we've released a video where we talk about it, but it feels like in every... Uh, movie there's it, they did it in like pinocchio where it's like or something and like where they do the like underwater White voice. in the when they're yeah. washing yeah yeah somebody gargles and sings through it and so we noticed it in cinderella too so it seems to happen uh in each movie which is interesting so she goes through the keyhole and then that's when she sees the dodo in the water and then they're dancing. Who up. is wait, wait, wait. Yes. Let's talk about the, the, the dodo's preferred method of travel. Go right which ahead. Is a, <laughs> it, it is a toucan upside down, so yes. it's floating on its head and beak, and he's like sitting on its feet, and then there's a parrot that's like pushing him along I think or a so, seagull yeah. or something. And he's like carefree doesn't have a care in the world he looks like he could if he wasn't a dodo be easily an ichabod and mr crane he's got like a yes. colonial yeah like uh pigtail and he's and got a pipe talking yes. about we always point out smoking and tobacco and things like this and it's kind of throughout there's a couple mm -hmm. different characters that have cigars or pipes yes um so he's up on the rock and all of these other creatures are in a circle running around and he's got a fire up on the rock and he tells her the only way you can get dry is by running around in this circle. But all the creatures running around in the circle are getting hit by the waves. So they're actually never getting dry. But he's nice and dry because he's up on the rock. Yes. With and, the that's, flames. and that's a good example of the nonsense logic that like carries us through this whole movie. Like it's because he goes nonsense. I'm I'm dry. Like it's it's like it's like I'm dry. It's like Why bad are you logic. not dry? Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
The Dodo's my favorite. The the Dodo's great. He is really great. And the fact that he, like, reappears, because some, I guess all the characters... He well, shows the up lizard again. doesn't reappear. Bill. For the most part, Bill. Yeah, for the most part, he has most... a name. I apologize, Bill. You. We don't refer to you as the woman, do <laughs> Fair we? Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, for the most part, most of these characters reappear to her. There are certain ones that don't, uh, but the dodo does pop in and out throughout. And so she sees the rabbit again, and so she follows the rabbit. And then that's where we meet Tweedledee and Tweedledum. So now she's in the woods. She meets them, and the first thing you see are the little flags on their hat. So mm-hmm. before Alice sees them, we as the viewer see their flags. And then we see them, and she's, I think, climbing through a log or something. And so she comes out, and she's kind of startled by them. And they are all about rhyming. All of all of their words kind of rhyme, and they've got these This little sing-song tales. manner. Yeah. yeah. And they just made me laugh. I really like all their sound effects and mannerisms and... Well, they, anytime they bounce around, they've got like a bicycle, uh, a bicycle is almost what I said, a bicycle horn kind of going off. Yeah, and they, they do the how do you do? Let's shake hands. That's manners. So you know, that's one of the first lessons they're trying to teach your manners, like that's you know, manners. introduce yourself, that kind of a thing. And then they start kind of baiting her a little bit. They start talking about this oyster story without talking about it. And then that gets her curious, and so she asks about right, it. Right, because she, she was curious, and they go, oh, the oysters were curious. Yeah, like. you know what happened to them, and then she's like, what happened? So then we uh, come upon the walrus and the carpenter, and they start telling the story. So it's through Tweedledee and Tweedledum, and they're the sun and the moon. So that's kind of how they're like in the story. And they because start. it's like the sun was shining bright that day, which is weird because it was the middle of the night or something, something like, that. like that. So yeah. it's this weird half day, half night land. And then you pointed out that the walrus has no tusks. No tusks. Big it's old mustache. mustache yeah. Which, kudos for that, but no tusks. Yeah. But yes. Well, this was, this was my favorite, I think, one of my favorite. This scene. used to be one of my favorite as a kid, and it's okay, oh, it's dark, dark. It's very dark. So it's dark, but it didn't. St- I don't. I can't think of a better example. But I've seen maybe because I knew it was coming. But I, but in our like adventures through these movies, I've seen scenes that I've gone, oh god, like when all the McCoys die or whatever. Oh McCoys yeah, and they're and all Martin. ghosts. That was very. Shocking. And there's other. There's yeah. something else. There's something else that happened. That I remember that was real dark. And I, oh, Willie dying. That being the last thing you see in Make My Music. Make My Music is pretty dark in general. Yeah. But like this, I was like, oh, he's gonna eat the oysters. And I think because they were so blobby, like maybe they didn't. The oysters connect to me. They were babies. I thought they were women in bonnets. Like I thought of them. But as- they were baby <laughs> bonnets. Were they baby bonnets? Yeah. yeah, they were the baby, baby oysters, and the mother oyster was the big one. Okay, I thought of it like a school for women, and it was like the matron, <laughs> like like almost like almost like not exactly. They didn't look like nuns. Oh, no, they didn't look like nuns. But I thought that was like Mother Superior, and they were just slightly younger. <laughs> no, Do you understand what I'm saying? They were, I get what you're saying, but they were babies. You can't eat baby oysters. But he did. Those aren't baby oysters. They're, they were baby oysters. They could vote. They refer to her as a mother. <laughs> yes, but I think it was mother like the, the house mum or the yeah. mother superior. I don't know. We might have to agree to disagree on you that one. got them one. from the, listeners, uh, listeners. the monastery. Yeah. 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 Hit us up you're, with your We just thoughts. watched Sister Act, so you're thinking of. <laughs> right. That's what you're thinking of. You just watched mother it with superior. me, so I don't know why you're not thinking of it. <laughs> so there, there is... There's one thing about this scene um, in the song, because I was sort of like, 
uh, periodically going back to the book. But um, I was looking at the lyrics to this song, or the tale that, that they had, and um, the there's like a line that says, of shoes and ships and sealing wax, and my mind immediately connected it to Puff the Magic Dragon. Um, oh! <laughs> Is sealing yeah. wax a line in that? Yeah, they, they shoot, uh, it's like paper. bottom strings and yeah, yeah. Silly, like something. It's like, what something the boat's made wax. out of, right? Yeah. The yeah. boat he it's sails something. to Hanali. Yes. Right. Something. About, oh, two. Here, let me look. Two uh, pieces of literature that I believe skip ahead mothers have a lot of drug influence. Well, Peter, Paul, and Mary have come out and said that it had nothing to do with drugs, but I don't know that that's entirely true. But they've been very adamant that it's like a child's imagination, from what yeah. I've read. But. Yeah, yeah, but I I just thought it was so weird that um, like, yeah, they and both brought mentioned, him mentioned sealing wax. Yes, like, yeah, that's it. Out of all things, it's yeah, like, it's little Jackie Paper. Love that rascal puff, and brought him strings and sealing wax and other fancy stuff. So good tie in there. <laughs> yeah, I have a client who was really into that song, so that's the only reason why. Yeah, it popped up in your mind. Yeah. yeah. For no. the record, guys, I don't know if anybody else is dumb like me. But it's not sealing wax. That wax goes on the ceiling. It's sealing wax like that it seals, seals something. Things. Yep, I'm the only ding dong. Uh, <laughs> yep, okay. Let's go ahead. That's okay. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I feel like it's usually me. I was me. like, what do you need wax for your ceiling? <laughs> it's usually me who's who doesn't get it. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah. So, basically what happens is the walrus and the carpenter come walking through. And he knocks the carpenter onto this rock which puts his head in the water and that's how they come upon the oysters it's really the carpenter who sees them first yes. not the walrus so he lets the walrus know about it and then the walrus is very like silver-tongued very smooth and goes into the oh, water like a gentleman hobo like like a like yeah a yeah he's artist. got gloves on his hands yeah very honest john apologies to our hobo listeners at the very honest yeah john. very Good honest pull. john so he goes in and he he says i want to invite the oysters for a talk and the mother oyster looks at the calendar. And now, listeners, I read this as a note, but Ryan just knew this knowledge, and I was very impressed. Because, apparently, she looked at the calendar, it said March, and the R was, like, glowing mm-hmm. and kind of on and off red. And tell the listeners what that means. You're not supposed to eat uh, oysters in uh, months with R's in them. Yes. I don't know why. So, because I, don't know, like, I, I know. can tell you why. Okay. But I was just impressed that you knew that that was a thing because I didn't. Sounds like something my mom said to me. Probably. uh, (laughs) It's the old adage that you only eat oysters in a month. You only eat them in a month with an R. Oh, you eat them in a month. So she saw that it was March. That makes more sense. You only eat them in a month with an R. So those without May, June, July, and August are summer months in England where oysters wouldn't keep due to the heat because Mm. it's before refrigeration. Yeah. So because it was a month with an R, she knew she's a mother and is very wise and knew. But she seems so much older. Look look at her again. She's the baby matronly. Just saying. So anyway. Seem to know a lot about oysters. (laughs) <laughs> they're okay. aphrodisiacs you know oh my god i don't eat oysters so i wouldn't know oh. <laughs> uh so anyway so he basically 
he doesn't get the mother to come, but he gets all the babies. He's like, come on, come for a walk with us. And they're mesmerized by him. You know, they're very taken with him. Well, he plays his cane. It's very Pied Piper. Yes, that's what I have here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's very Pied Piper. And so as he is uh, playing his cane as the flute, as the the Pied Piper, or the pipe, yeah. Uh, the carpenter builds the sea shack. It's kind of like a little sea shanty restaurant. And he builds this one room shack to dine. And they're all sitting down and getting ready to eat. And the walrus is talking to them and like getting ready. And then he suggests to the carpenter that they would be good with a sauce. So he... And bread. Where did that bread come from? Yeah. And that bread <laughs> that, yeah, just... Not met. how is the anthropomorphic walrus speaking to the anthropomorphic oysters where did the bread come from that's what worried true this, yes this we whole movie fell apart uh, with the bread yeah, yeah. <laughs> so right, he's basically right. yeah he's basically distracting the carpenter and so then the baby oysters see that oysters are on the menu like that they're fresh and they're live and they're today and so the carpenter's getting the sauce ready and that rhyme and that song is coming back in that they're singing throughout and he comes and he's all excited to eat the oysters and the walrus is crying. Right? He's crying. You think it's because they were, they were so good? I don't think it was supposed like to be. Like that he wants more? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's an it's an odd mix of emotions. It almost looked like he was like in pain because he ate so much. Yeah. Know, and then he like holds that. his stomach. He yeah. holds his belly at one point. And then the carpenter is, you. it shows all the empty oyster shells mm-hmm. and they kind of glisten. And the carpenter sees that they're all gone and then starts chasing him. And ru- and then he runs through the door like uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah. The walrus does. So it's like the cutout of him mm-hmm. as he goes through the door. Uh, and then we cut back to Tweedledee and Tweedledum. And Alice, who they're like, there's a moral to that story. And she's like, yes, if you're an oyster. And like completely misses it. Yeah. She's very weird in that. Sometimes I think she's very smart and clever, and other times I'm like, you ding dong. Well, I feel like she doesn't really learn a lot of the lessons, because some of the lessons come back up mm-hmm. at, about, like, you need to hold your temper. The Cheshire, is it the Cheshire cat? Who re- No, the caterpillar tells her that. Yeah. And then that's where she really needs to hold her temper with the queen, and she doesn't. So it's like things like that kind of come back a little mm-hmm. bit. They're like callbacks, but... um. So they start singing another tale, Old Father William, I think is what they start singing next. And then Alice just wanders away Mm -hmm. because she's so focused on the rabbit and she stumbles on the white rabbit's house and he's shouting Marianne. He refers to her as Marianne, right? It's a bigger thing in the book. Isn't isn't the Duchess here in the book? And there's like a baby who's a pig or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that whole whole bit is not in this movie. Um, Yeah. yeah, it, it wasn't. I'm pretty sure it wasn't the rabbit's house. It was the duchess's house, and the rabbit was like coming out of right. the house, and you know, and then the just, duchess had to leave, and like Alice had to take care of the baby. And, but it's yeah, it clearly like, a baby pig. But the whole yeah. the whole thing with them like insisting she's someone else is like when they do it in this movie, it's odd. Yeah, because it kind of comes out of nowhere, and it he he just. And maybe he's just so wrapped up in that he's late. He's not really. He's just noticing it's someone. I know you're trying to put a little logic to this, but I think. Oh, yeah. I think this is one of the few movies where it's like they're literally just trying to be weird. It's just nonsense. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, we also noticed here, I wrote a note that it was a hard cut. And we made the point, um, Amanda looked it up, that. 
the walrus and the carpenter is in the looking glass, right? Mm-hmm. And Ooh, then, which is the second, book. yeah, which is the second book, the sequel, and then this story with the rabbit and the house, and even though it's different with the duchess, is in the first book. So, um, there was kind of a hard cut in between those two, but so he is asking her to search for his white gloves, and so that's what she starts searching for, and then of course she doesn't learn her lesson when she eats the, you know, drinks the bottle and then eats what's in the box and she eats something. She goes, Oh, I don't mind if I do and eat something yeah, in the rabbit's house. Yeah, it's the house. exact same. How do you forget the cookies that make you grow? <laughs> yeah. Like yes. one of the most important things. And so she gets very big and uh, grows and her foot goes right out the front door. And I remember that so vividly. And she's like, she basically just kicks the rabbit out of his house uh, with her leg. And now the dodo is back and the dodo comes by and uh, he's blowing his nose a lot, which I thought was like just an interesting quirk. Like he's got this handkerchief and is blowing his nose. And he says, oh, what we have to do is rip out the chimney. Uh, and the rabbit is like, oh, are you going to go up the chimney? He's like, oh, no, no. So he says we have to get somebody. And that's when Bill, I love Bill. He's not in it very long, but I love Bill the lizard. The lizard with the ladder. And so... Uh, He's a chimney sweep, and so he's like, yes, I can go up there, and he climbs up on the ladder, and he sees what they're now referring to as the monster, which is Alice, and then he's deathly afraid and doesn't want to go anywhere near Alice, and the dodo basically, again, like Ryan said, the dodo's just, like, forcing everybody else to do stuff Mm -hmm. and kind of like, you know, no, 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 this is the right way. This is what you have to do, and so he helps the, the lizard up to the chimney, and he says, all you have to do is pull her out from the chimney. Just pull her up out through the chimney. It'll be fine. And so as he's going down into the chimney, all the soot comes into the house, and so she sneezes. And Bill flies up to the sky when she sneezes. He goes, like, out through the chimney, and then the dodo says, there goes Bill. Yeah, that was <laughs> yes. my favorite line. Also, <laughs> Bill, and we'll get into this a little later, Bill reminds me of the uh, – the liz- there's a lizard I vaguely remember in Rescuers Down Under, yeah, Rescuers Down Under, mm-hmm. which I I'm pretty sure we're doing. We are doing. Mm-hmm. I've I've seen one of them, but not both of them, and I don't remember it very well. Whichever one I've seen, he throws all the furniture, and he's like, "We'll smoke the monster out." <laughs> this and is where so- Tara like pinged up. She's like. That's not his house. No, like, like not his house. Like the rabbit is like nervous and upset and he just like starts picking up all the furniture and he reaches and like he's just reaching out and doing all this stuff. And we looked. Did you see the hidden Mickey? I, so he yeah. lights, he I lights didn't. it. It looked like it could be for a second when he first lights it and it's he's holding Big his pipe or the, or the match up in the upper right corner of the screen. That's I know. When I I'm going to have to start seeing so we'll if take, I can find we'll that screenshot. We'll look and see if we can find it again. Yeah. Uh, but as all that's happening, she realizes, well, maybe if I eat something, I'll get small. And so she reaches out into the garden, picks up a carrot and the rabbit's on the other end of it. And he's terrified that she's going to eat him. And so she eats the carrot. She becomes small. The rabbit runs off and now she's very small. So she's not her normal size. And she runs, uh, through the flowers. And I remember a lot of this scene because of how whimsical it was in the beginning with the butterflies, like the bread and butterflies and the rocking horse fly. Uh, but this is where she meets the all the flowers in the garden and the rose and all of these different flowers. And they sing Golden Afternoon, which is a pretty song. And Alice sits down to listen. She meets all the flowers in the garden. And then she tries to sing with them. And it's not so great. <laughs> and all three of us were like, we don't 
really care for her singing voice. And I mean, she doesn't sing all that often, just a couple times. But um, in this one, too, I think it's supposed to show she doesn't really fit in with the flowers, with the way she was singing. Um, but then you mentioned something when they do the big finish, two of the like yellow daisies clash together he's, like he's symbols smashed, like symbols and i'm like she just killed two of her friends is that what happened yeah because the like rose. she it, they look like sunflowers almost they're yeah. not quite big enough but it's like she's sitting there and she she looks like she smashes two copies of her head together and the petals go everywhere yeah and that's that's tantamount to me like doing the symbol with two skulls it looks like <laughs> <laughs> So then they start asking what kind of flower she is, and that's when Amandar said, and it is very reminiscent of the catty elephants in Dumbo. They all, but like, they're even, I, they're as cruel or worse, I think. Yeah, I think they are meaner. Yeah, yeah, they start like picking apart everything about her. Like, look at her stems and look at her petals, and they're referring to all of her looks as things of a flower. And then they use uh, a Latin name for, I, I didn't look it up, but they say later, a weed. We don't want a weed in our garden. So mm. essentially, they think she's a weed, and they, they, they're they very cruel to her. And then they dump water on her, and then she kind of, like, floats down and leaves all the flowers. And then she starts seeing the A-E-I-O-U <laughs> in the clouds, uh, the clouds of smoke. And she comes upon the caterpillar who's singing what I called the vowel song. I don't know if that's the name of it, but he's just singing there's the vowels. A, there's a song, I think it's by Capital City, called Vowels. Oh, I don't Do you guys know this I song? I don't know. It's like, he's like, it's like, the, the, the chorus is like, A, E, O, A, like, it's like that. It's so good. I'm serious. I, I think it's a real song. <laughs> We'll put oh it up on the gosh. Facebook page yeah, so we'll I think I can play it, it now. But let me see. I know. I think I have it in my save. Okay. And he starts doing all of his very, like, iconic. The, the Caterpillar, I think, is very iconic. Like, even if Alice in Wonderland wasn't one that you watched a lot, like, most people know the Caterpillar. And the who are you as he's, like, blowing smoke into her face. Uh, and so I liked some of the bits with his body. Like, when he went to smoke the pipe. And it was no smoke was coming out, and he looks down, and his hands, like that, are lower, are holding it and blocking it, and he like with his other hands like taps them to let go, and then that happens with his feet, like his bottom two feet are hanging off the leaf, and he almost falls, and it's like he almost doesn't have control of his whole body, right. which is kind of interesting. I think all the yeah, physical good. humor in this is real solid. Like yeah. it's kind of the, and I think it's what holds it together because I think if they just did like weird nonsensical stuff and i think when they've done live action version of this that's what it's missing yeah and so this whole kind of sequence goes back and forth with him and her and she stomps away and he says i have something to tell you you need to come back and so she comes back and that's when he gives her the advice keep your temper which Mm -hmm. she really needs to use later and doesn't um, he doesn't either. No, he doesn't either. Yeah, he, yeah, he does not. And he's very much like her when she says later, I don't listen to my own advice. He gets yeah. very angry. And because she says she wants to be bigger and she says, well, three inches is nothing to be and insults his height. And right. so that's when he gets right. really angry. But that's also when he then turns into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had something to say about this part, too. I think that there's like a common motif in this movie of like. You know, this is what it means to be getting older and, like, you know, learning 
your way around the world and stuff. And I think this is the, the first time, like, this this dynamic between her and the caterpillar is where it, like, really comes out. Like, who are you? You know, like, and, and Alice, like, going through, like, this existential, like, crisis of, like, I don't even mm. know who I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, trying <laughs> to know? find her identity and what defines her. Yeah. And, like, you know, this morning was so different. And now I've done so much between now and then. And, you know, like, I just think that that's really interesting. Is, how it... is that in the book? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Because I don't yeah. think – I, I it, the way the scene – some of this stuff is played out in the movie feels like they're more just for fun. And I don't mm-hmm. know if they're getting they're, – they're following that stuff because that's what was in the book. But, I, but you know what I mean? Like, she's just like, mm-hmm. I don't know who I am. Like, I think it's more played like a who's on first situation. Mm-hmm. almost yeah Do you know what i mean like i don't i don't necessarily think the disney filmmakers were really pushing yeah. that existential like who right. am i or like this is about growing and up i, I think, think it's shown can... through because of the book but... yeah and i think yeah. too as yeah. an adult you might pick up on those themes yeah. more than as a child just in general whether you read the book or watch the movie well when do we think they actually start making these for kids specifically because i think at this point it's more of disney isn't thinking them kids movies like Snow White wasn't made intended to be for kids. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. It'll be kind of like interesting I, to see. Yeah, I'm sure we'll start reading about how things are marketed and things like that when we get a little bit later on. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. but interesting. Yeah, but then that's also when he talks to her about the mushroom because she's asking about um, wanting to get big again, and one side makes you taller, one side makes you shorter, and so Which, she. Taryn. Uh, Ryan, after dark, we should take some mushrooms and watch this movie. Oh boy! Okay, <laughs> that'll be an interesting night. Um, and then record a podcast. And just, yeah, see how that yes. goes. It's just an hour and a half of us going, "Oh God!" <laughs> just shouting and laughing and crying, all of the, all oh of God. it at once. Um, but so she tries to figure it out, and I love that she, what she finally figures out is if she licks it. That's what is the best because if she bites it, it's too much one way or the other. If she takes an actual bite. So then she becomes like the perfect size again and puts them um, in her pocket. The other thing I loved when she got really big was the bird that serpent. screams serpent, serpent. <laughs> You're trying that. to get my eggs. Do you, are you, do you eat eggs? Well, yes. Then serpent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> such a wild bird. Um, and so now she comes to the tree with the signs and this is where we first see The Cheshire cat. And first we see the smile, of course. And then we get introduced to the cat, who is one of my absolute favorites. I I forgot how much I liked him. I have a lot of background with him because anytime the moon is a little sliver, when I was a kid, my mom would go, look, it's the Cheshire cat. Oh, I used to do that and be excited about it, though. Well, as with anything my mom drilled into my head, it started as kind of excitement. It annoyed the heck out of me, and now I'm kind of getting a nostalgic feel for it again. So, <laughs> full circle. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he like leaves footprints, and he's standing on his head, and he's doing all this silly stuff. And again, this is like a lot of visual stuff happening with him. Uh, and he basically points her in the direction of the Mad Hatter and the March Hare, voiced by, by the way, Stokely Hathaway. Yes, who is Winnie the Pooh? Winnie the Pooh. The, so one the, of our famous voices here, the, who's in the stork from Dumbo. Yes, I think that's his name. Hold on, it's something Hathaway. Go ahead. And uh, the most famous phrase, one of the most quotable things I think from this movie is he says, "Most everyone's mad here." So that is a quote that I always remembered. And then, uh, like after that, he's like, "You see, even me, I'm not even here all the way myself," which I kind of 
liked and he was like disappearing as he said that yeah, yeah I'm, not all, I'm not all here myself <laughs> yeah sterling holloway i keep Sterl- getting, i, I know, know we Stokely need to remember Hathaway's. his name because he's in so many different things that we come across uh but then we get to probably one of the most famous scenes that a lot again another kind of iconic scene iconic characters the very merry unbirthday tea party and so she kind of just sits down and they're singing and the, you know they're having a good time and they hear her clapping and they get very startled that this girl just sat down at their tea party that is such a big table, so many empty chairs, and they start saying no room. And they start like trying to take up every chair. And she says how there's so much room. And they're like, well, it's rude to sit down without being invited. So again, they're trying to teach her manners a little bit, even though they're bonkers. Like they don't make any sense, but <laughs> they're trying to teach her manners a little bit. Uh, and you see the Dormouse very briefly uh, through this whole sequence. And she asks what an unbirthday is, I think, is how it comes up. And so then they start singing and describe what it is. And he takes the Mad Hatter takes off his hat and there's a cake under it. And she blows out the candle and it becomes fireworks. It's just this whole very like kind of nonsensical, kind of fun, silly scene. And then the Dormouse comes out of the teapot and sings, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Bat. And I always <laughs> loved that. Like, the Dormouse just being so out of it. Uh, And then they start the whole kind of circle of clean cup move down. And so this happens a couple times. They start it. They're so interested in her story. Where are you from? Where did you start? Like, what's been going on with you? So she starts her story. She mentions the cat. And the Dormouse goes wild. Oh, my God. There's a cat. Starts running all around. They're like, get the jam. Get the jam. You have to jam his nose. And so they get the jam and they spread it on the Dormouse's nose and he calms down. And then they say clean cup again. And it kind of is like a reset and it starts all over again. This makes me think of a, there's a Monty Python skit. Do you guys, I don't know if you know Monty Python that well, but Amanda, do you know, don't say mattress to Mr. Jenkins? I don't know that skit. No. It's, it's one where they keep going to a mattress store and talking to this guy and he keeps, they can say, oh yes, we'd like, he's like, would you like to buy a carpet? And they're like, no, we're here for, he's like, he keeps pointing to the mattresses and obviously he's saying carpet or something. And he goes, no, we're here to buy a mattress. And he like puts a bag over his head and just stands there. And they're like, who said mattress to Mr. Jenkins? And they have to like get in a box and sing a song. It's the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. It's so bizarre. But I just remember like for some reason, whenever anything like this happens, anyone's got like a weird remedy or don't do this weird thing. My dad would always turn to me and go, don't say mattress to Mr. Jenkins. That's funny. I love that. Um, so they start like the whole clean cup thing again. Unless there's some sort of remedy about jam in the nose that either of you know that i don't oh mm. no i don't it's, okay no. it is just a ridiculous remedy. yeah 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 i think so okay i'll uh, shut up now sorry no no worries and so then they go she goes back to the story and this part i loved because the hair was like oh i don't want a full cup of tea i just want a half a cup and he like slices <laughs> the cup and then the mad hatter pours the tea and it stays in the cup and he's drinking it and they're like why don't you have some tea and she's like I have been trying to have tea. Like, she's so frustrated. And I feel like everyone can relate to Alice here of, like, being in a situation where you're like, I'm trying to explain this to you, but you're not listening or it's, like, not going well or, you know, that frustration of being, like, I'm not being heard. I feel like that's what she feels like in this moment because there's all this madness happening. Or when your husband keeps interrupting you trying to. Get, get back on that. track. <laughs> Actually, I wasn't thinking of it that way. I was thinking of it in these terms, and but I almost didn't want to say it because I don't think it's identical to it. But 
sometimes when you're engaging with someone with dementia, the mm. like the clean cup is like a reset. So sometimes it's a word or story or something will trigger that person to then start a story over or to then like ask you the same questions. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as what happens in the tea party, but um, that I'm reminiscent of that feeling of like a restart of like, okay, this phrase, now we're going to start over kind of a thing. And that's kind of what the clean cup is. They just like keep going through it and it's the circle and it's maddening for Alice. She just like, she's like, okay, I'm kind of done with it. And then the rabbit shows up. And right before the rabbit shows up, there's another famous quote. She's stark raving mad. That's another yes. one. It's my favorite because <laughs> why does he say it? It's, it's, she goes, why is a raven? Why is a raven like yeah, a writing he desk? Says it, he she asks says it, it to her. She's stark raving mad. Yeah. Like, I love, I low-key love the, the Mad Hat. The, I, uh, the, the March so Hare. I love both yeah, of them. But yeah, you're things. right. The March Hare doesn't get enough credit. Yes. I agree after rewatching because this. Because the Mad Hatter is so good and he looks so much like Edwin. Oh, I mean, he so was designed ma- right yes. after Edwin. But yeah. even knowing that going into this, I didn't realize how much his mannerisms and stuff, him like moving his hair and a couple like, whoo, like, yeah, yeah, so good. <laughs> it's great. And so he says that the rabbit shows up and he's like, who's got the time? Who's got the time? And the Hatter's like, well, no wonder why you're late. Your watch is like two days late or something like Which that. Which every watch is, could be two days late. It's 24 hours before. <laughs> yeah, that's nope. a good point. <laughs> So he tries to fix it and he's like, well, I know what's wrong. Your watch is full of wheels. And he starts pulling out all the gears. And then I listed all the things he uses. He pours into the watch. It's butter, tea, jam, sugar. Then the mustard. Two spoons. And then the mustard. And he's like, don't be silly. That's the whole improvised bit we talked about. So good. So good. And And then he has a a lemon is like the last little bit. And that's he did that was improv too, was it? Yeah. But that's his vaudevillian background is so so good. Good. Yeah, uh, and then the clock goes crazy. The clock like goes crazy, and then I believe it's the ma- it's the March Hare that slams it with a hammer, and it goes black and white for a minute, like all gray tones, which I really loved. It was like no color at all, and uh, then she kind of you know the the rabbit leaves. She tries to go after the rabbit, and then she says, well, that's the stupidest tea party I've ever been to. <laughs> like, I, we were all so tickled by that line that she was just like, she's like, enough of this nonsense. It, it I want to so go self-aware. home. Yeah. <laughs> yes. um, can, can we stop down on this for just a second? Yeah. Because I think the tea party is so iconic to the general story of Alice. It's this, like, it's, it's so ridiculous because it, it, it's – it's around something that's supposed to be so formal and so like proper proper yeah. right and what alice is used to that is not a tea party she's ever been to right but it's also big coming out of this because you've got the teacups at mm-hmm. disney world and disneyland yeah this is this this movie has so many like it's one of the ones that has is is represented multiple times like very early on in disney world where they've got like the, they've got the teacups i think they have the dark ride they we have talked a dark about ride. which is in disneyland there's the mad hatters tea party or something there's something where they used to have like in the 2000s like not a rave but it's like a late night thing at epcot or something yeah and they keep every few years they try and change to something a little more adult and it gets shot down i think the best one i heard they had was tron mm-hmm. like where it was all that cool like laser colors but at the end of the day everyone goes bring back the tea party and it's yeah. all these like 
well, you know, I, older rave kids in the stupid Mad Hatter hats. And well, stuff. I remember going to Six Flags and buying a Mad Hatter inspired hat, and I loved it. So cool, and it like had like metal wire in it where it could like scrunch down, and then it would pop up, yeah. kind of a thing. So yeah, it did become very iconic. I'm kind of sad I don't still have that hat. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, she's done with all of this. She wants to, She, you know, she's trying to get home at this point, And then she finds Tugly, Tugglywood, Togglywood. Tugglywood. Tugglywood. Now, these are all words from the Jabberwocky poem, mm-hmm. correct? The Stavely yeah. Moves and the, and the Mole Yeah, the eyeglasses and in the stuff. trees. So we see all these very kind of weird animal characters. The, like, yes. eyeglass birds. I like this part. I, I like do, this. too. And she's in the woods. She steps on the honkers that Ryan saw them in the corner before they came out. And he laughed, knowing that it I was going to come They're, up. It's like a mama bike horn and her babies. And it oh, a and mama like, and her babies? Kind of like the oysters? Did you notice that their ages between them were much closer? And much, the woman the woman oyster was incapable, had had moved into the crone part of her. She was un... In, Listeners, no. now you know what it's like to live in a house with Ryan and I. Amanda's been friends with us long enough to know this banter. But, um, but we also see the frog drum. And like the yeah. symbol, the, I yeah. liked them a lot. Yeah, uh, and here I said it had a very Wizard of Oz feel a little bit. Like she very much, she wants to go home. She like doesn't understand this world. She's like kind of done being in this world, done exploring it. Like wants to go back to what's familiar, essentially. Yeah. Um, I have an, another quote from, from that part too. That was like, I can't find my way because I don't have a way or something like yeah that? when she's trying to find her path yeah yeah and not knowing what her path Cheshire is cats, like always or the queen's ways or just when she's having like i think what she's trying to she's later on she finds a path and yeah. then starts going down it and then the, the broom the dog. sweepy dog yes. comes and sweeps it away oh can we talk about the mole rates or whatever they were yeah yeah that's <laughs> i yeah i'm pretty much there i just wanted to highlight some of the other characters right. you had the umbrella birds that were bathing that then yes. looked like vultures they were fun um the shovel bird the, the shovel, bird the shovel beak yeah the shovel beak the pencil heads uh, the pencil heads the bird with the cage the bird cage that swallows the birds and they yes, go back in the cage i love that one and the accordion bird so you're seeing all of these characters the owl accordion yeah ooh, <laughs> okay you. i like nice. it nice thanks guys um <laughs> And so then that's when she comes across the pencils and they start writing on the sign, don't step on the momraths. It's so it's the pencils that write it, not the cat. They say don't step on the momraths. Right. And then they make an arrow to a path, which is the path we mentioned earlier. And she's, this I think is where she says that quote that you mentioned, Amanda, because she's so happy she thinks she's going home. She mm-hmm. found the path. She's like, okay, I'm on a path. I know where I'm going. Kind of similar to the yellow brick road again, where it's like, this is the path I'm supposed to take. Um, and then the, the the broom dog comes and sweeps the whole path away. And I wrote here, she's very trusting. And I think that goes back to also being naive. She just automatically assumes and trusts that like all these people telling her things, all these characters have her best interest when really they don't at all. And she kind of, like, just follows, follows. She's like, oh, here's a path. And, like, doesn't question, is that going to be a path to home or not? And doesn't really stop to think about it. And then that's when she sits on a rock and kind of decides to stay put. She's very sad. You know, she's telling 
how she gives herself good advice, but she seldom follows it. And there's this song that she sings. It's again, we were like, eh, we don't. Her singing voice leaves a lot to be desired. But mm-hmm. I think overall, as our, our speaking voice, I, I find I think she's, yeah. I think she's very delightful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so all the creatures that we mentioned earlier all come and gather and they're all crying with her. They're all very sad for her as they listen to this story. And then everyone's starting to cry and then they start to disappear. And you had a good comment. Is she crying them out of existence? Yeah. Like yeah. there's some weird dream logic in this, which I mean, I think the I whole mean, thing at the end was a dream, dream but so, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then our buddy comes back to get but this, then get this movie Cheshire back cat. on track. Yeah. I know. Then he comes back and, you know, she's saying she, all she wants to do is go home. And that's when he introduces the queen. And she's like, well, I haven't met the queen. I don't know the queen. And he opens the tree trunk and it's a door. And through the tree trunk, you can see the castle to where the queen is. And that's when another song that I absolutely love, Painting the Roses Red. And you see all the club card, I guess club and spades. I, don't, I, think, I think they were all clubs. I think were they it was the all ace clubs? through three of clubs, maybe. It might know. have been, yeah. Who are painting the roses red, and they basically explain, we made a mistake. We painted, we planted them, they were white roses, and now if the queen sees that they're white and they're not red, it's off with our head. So we have to paint them all red. So she's like, oh, I'll help you. And so she helps them, and this whole song comes along, and then you hear that the queen, the queen is being announced, and the rabbit comes in with the horn, and all the red cards come marching out uh, and dividing up, and it's this whole big sequence and then you meet the Queen of Hearts, and I love the king. I love how little he is. I like love everything about the. I love the queen, but the king is so funny because he's the complete opposite of her. I like yes. the queen, and I kind of wish we'd seen more of her in this movie. Yeah, yeah she's same. she's in it. She's not in it very long, and it's at the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, and she's such a kind of imposing figure that she's I, a force. Yeah, a very. Ooh very fierce and i love like the the comedy so in cinderella we talked a lot about lady tremaine switching from kind of calm and sweet to very mean yeah and she does it too in this but it's so much even more extreme that it's comical like she yells (laughs) off with her head and everyone like cheers and and then she's so happy she's got like yeah Yeah, she loves she loves the attention and like everyone praising her and so she notices one of the roses is like kind of half painted or it's dripping or whatever and exclaims off with their heads but then she sees alice so now she's distracted by alice like who is this girl oh no they drag off the three oh of yes them. they do so they're i'm dead. so sorry yes they do drag yeah. them off um <laughs> oh i apologize yeah i'm sorry cards the ace of clubs <laughs> yeah so they drag them off she sees alice and then she's she's very like a parent but very critical of like stand up straight and make sure you curtsy and do all these things if you're going to talk to me open your mouth wide and it's yes. shaped like a heart for a second yeah yeah when she opens her mouth and then um alice is you know trying to talk to her and keeps saying your majesty and curtsying and she's like the queen then is like do you play croquet and then all the cards set up in an area to play croquet and the flamingos are the croquet what are they mallets, mallets. croquet mallets uh, and then the hedgehogs are the croquet balls. And I love Alice's flamingo. He is so weird and so silly. And she just can't get him under control. And she's tr- she's trying to, like, whisper to him, like, calm down. And so the queen goes, and the queen never actually hits the hedgehog. But they all no. set it up so, you know, the hedgehog rolls and all the cards move. So it goes through everything for her to do very well. 
And one card doesn't make it. He's trying to get to the hedgehog and he doesn't make it. And so it's off with his head. He's like, dead too. He's dead too. So he's gone. So then. The queen is complicit in murder. Yeah. So then yes. the queen sits on the bird's feet. She puts the head of the bird to the ground. The seat, the feet are like the seat. And she sits to watch Alice go. And Alice's bird is so silly here. I absolutely love it. The bird takes her as a mallet at one point and then everybody starts poking fun of Alice and making fun of her, how silly she looks as the croquet mallet. And I love that. I love when she's the mallet. And I, yeah. I love the little, like, come here, like I'm going to kill you. She's animated very well. She's not nearly as cartoony as everyone else. Mm-hmm. I just, I, she might be one of my favorite. No, I know Cinderella's pretty good too, but she looks really good. I like yeah. her. I like her face is what I was about to say, like a <laughs> caveman. So then as she as she hits the croquet ball, all the cards move in the opposite direction, so she doesn't do well. And then the cat shows up, of course, to cause havoc, and is sitting kind of like on the back uh, of the queen and sets Alice up, really, because uh, – or excuse me, sets the queen up, which then sets Alice up, essentially, because he says, oh, it's so fun to watch her get mad. And so he uh, pulls up her dress, or I think the the when flamingo. She, when she reaches back with yes, the croquet mallet, he, he hooks her the, dress. Yeah, and so when she swings it, she and has so of heart. Course she underwear. has heart underwear. Yeah, Great. and so her face is so red. It is probably the reddest it gets here. She is so angry, and she's off with her head to Alice. And the king begs for a trial for Alice. So pleads with the queen, please, 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 let's have a trial. And so that's when I forgot, I read about this, listeners, and then forgot to mention it, that one of the jurors is Ryan's most favorite and beloved character. Jose Carioca's back! He's back! And it doesn't seem exactly like him. It's definitely someone who's meant to make you think of him, but his hair, his his top, his head feathers feathers are a little messed up. And I think if we all think correctly, Jose Carioca would never be A, seen without his jaunty hat, or B, to be disheveled in any way, shape, or form. He might because be just, he's perfect. He might just be overwhelmed and frazzled that he has to make a decision about if this girl's going to lose her head or not. I just pointed out to you that Jose would never be overwhelmed. <laughs> as cool as a cucumber. All right, all right. Have you been to Bahia? Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently I didn't stay long enough. Um, so then... Uh, they're going to the trial, and the queen says, sentence first, verdict later. And that's another, like, nonsensical thing that Alice is like, no, that doesn't work this way. And the queen kind of shuts her up, and the king asks, oh, please, let's have witnesses first. And so the first witness is the March Hare, so he comes in. And, you know, they're asking him questions. And then the Dormouse comes in and does twinkle, twinkle, little bat again. And then the Mad Hatter. And so the Mad Hatter comes in. And she goes, off with your hat. And he takes off his hat, and there's, like, stacks of teapots under his hat. And then he breaks into the unbirthday song, because the king, somebody says it's the queen's unbirthday, essentially. The Mad Hatter points out it was his unbirthday, and then the king's like, my dear, it's your unbirthday, Yes, that's right. Because he loves her so much. He does. He's so devoted to her. Uh, And so they sing the unbirthday song, and then Alice is just like, oh, God, here we go again. Like, here's this song again. And then they wind up giving her a present for her unbirthday, which is this giant, like, purple crown to go, like, on top of her little crown, like a mm-hmm, bigger... To magnify her current crown. Yes. And the crown turns into a cat. The purple crown is actually the Cheshire cat. So it turns into the cat. 
Alice mentions, there's the cat, your majesty. And then she said cat. She didn't learn her lesson. When the dormouse is around, you can't say cat because then everything goes crazy. And so then the dormouse again. And then you've got, we've got to get the jam, get the jam. And so that kind of whole bit comes back. And then uh, what winds up happening in the chaos is they wind up jamming the queen with jam all over her face (laughs) and then hammering her head. The king winds up hitting her head with the crown And so, obviously, the queen is not too thrilled with what has just happened. And then Alice remembers she has the two pieces of mushrooms still in her pocket. And so she eats and becomes very, very big. Well, she eats both of them, which means she she eat both of them? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a good point. Um, So she eats them. She gets very big. Mm. And then the king reads Rule 42. If you're over a mile tall, you have to leave. You can't be here. And so... She starts to shrink, which I'm assuming is because she ate them both at the same time. And well, she actually, start- Oh, go sorry. ahead. The, the, uh, I thought it was interesting how as she was spewing insults toward the oh, queen, Oh, that's she a good point. Yeah, yeah, that that's when she started to shrink. That's a really good point. Mm. Because, yeah, that's what happened. She's big when she starts to... She calls her fat and pompous, bad-tempered old tyrant. Uh, and you're right. By the time she's finished with that phrase, she's now small again. And she's the same size as everyone. And the, I think it's the Cheshire cat or is it the king? Somebody recites exactly what she says because the queen didn't hear it all. It was the cat. Is it the cat? I think so. And then it's off with her head after that. And so Alice runs away through the maze. So so this is the point where Disney like is just bad at endings and just wraps things up. I think Cinderella is the best Start ending. to finish. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I just think it's the best ending we've had so far yeah but i mean like like, start to finish you get a lot of like story and all of that but then it kind of wraps up in a more natural like it feels like it should go there exactly whereas this one he just goes i'm out of here and then she's out yeah she runs through the maze and the cards run after her and then um she kind of sees all the characters uh, she runs backwards through her adventure pretty much. Yeah, she runs around the rock. She sees the dodo again. Then it's the tea party. Then she's swimming in tea. Like, she mm. falls into, like, this teacup. Then it's the caterpillar as the butterfly with the smoke. Then she sees the doorknob again. The door is locked. Uh, and he goes, but you've, you've been here all along. And he opens his mouth, and she looks, and she sees she's sleeping. I love when the, the doorknob opens its mouth because its mouth is the keyhole. Yes. Like, to offer, like, peeping through the keyhole. But he, like, widens it so she can look easier. Yeah. I always think that's funny. <laughs> uh, and so then she wakes up, and the sister is reciting the lesson, and Alice starts rambling. And the sister's like, well, it's time for tea. And that's it. And it's slightly longer than the time it took Tara to explain that last scene. Yeah. Like, it's, it's very, very it's like, oh, Alice, Alice in Wonderland. And it just stops. Yeah. All right. That was so. it. There was a lot. But it was hard to, like, leave stuff out because those characters were so eccentric. And it's just so almost episodic. Yes, it is. Um, Amanda, I have a question for you. Yeah. Did the caterpillar have a name in the book? Mm, I don't think so because i i remember in the tim burton one his name is absalom and that's like the most stupidest (laughs) like fantasy like the stupidest tea party they wanted it to be like lord of the rings or something she gets remember she gets like a suit of armor and fights the jabberwocky oh Oh, yeah i forgot forgot about that the the more i'm remembering the more i'm not yeah yeah Yeah. maybe i didn't like it as much yeah i didn't care for it but (laughs) Yeah, um, no, no name in the book. 
as far as you know nothing yeah so let's let's go through the question guys how was the princess i i really liked alice alice might have been like there are some good bright spots in this but she was solid all the way through i thought Uh, except for her singing voice her singing voice left a lot lot to be desired but i liked her yeah i agree i think it's um you know like she still has that naivete but also like a lot of the themes of like growing up and like learning and being her lived experience is is sort of enmeshed in these stories in mm-hmm. some way yeah and her curiosity you know like when you're a kid like not only your imagination but your curiosity and again like she's you know they're trying to teach her lessons in very nonsensical ways but it's also like she is very curious and she is very open like you know she's she kind of goes with the flow for longer than I think I would like mm-hmm. in a nonsensical world like that, you know, and, and kind of lets gets caught up in that a little bit, but yeah, I really liked her a lot. All right. How was the Prince? And I'm going to declare that the Prince was the white rabbit and I don't really care much for the really? white rabbit. He was all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, yeah, I feel the same way. Like I, I am neutral. I guess for me, I'm surprised, but I guess it's because like the I'm late, I'm late is something I always remember. But I guess like thinking about him as a character, we don't really all we really know about him is he's this very anxious. Yeah. Overwhelmed Mm. rabbit. He's relatable, but he's not necessarily. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I could agree with that. Yeah. Um, let's go with the sidekicks, but we're going to just call him the the, because I think the only real sidekick in this was was Dinah. (laughs) <laughs> who didn't have much well, of a Well, the Cheshire, Cheshire cat, cat, because he sticks Maybe, with her but I was a just, lot. Yeah, I was going to say the side characters. The Cheshire Cat is wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Again, I love the Mad Hatter, but I would like to – I repeat my statement that I think the March Hare is, is vastly underrated. Yeah. The Dodo is fantastic. I know, Amanda, you said the Dodo is one of your favorites. Yeah, I think it was, but I also really love the Cheshire Cat, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Bill, I'm fun. shouting out Bill the Lizard. I know he was in it very briefly. <laughs> I don't know that he'd be considered a sidekick, but I do love him. And I also yes. liked all the little creatures in the in the Tugly Woods or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Villain. I really liked the Red Queen, the, 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 yes. the Queen of Hearts. Yeah, same. Same. And, and she's in Villainous. She is in so Villainous. So we don't have to talk about what she'd be like in Villainous, but... Yeah. Have, have we, we played... You've played I've her. Played I've played her. Someone of us has. I think I've played her, but yeah, in the game. Um, But no, I loved her, and I'm finding I'm loving characters with tempers. Like, yeah. I love Donald because he loses his you temper. You love your husband. <laughs> mm-hmm. she's, she's a little mad Madam Mim because she's mad. Everybody's mad mm-hmm. there, but also, like, her temper and... I love how she's so hot and cold, like so one to the other. And she is just kind of this very, she has, she rules with an iron fist. I don't know how else to say it. Like, I don't want to use that term, but like, she just like, everyone is doing everything to make sure she is happy at all times. And no matter what they do, it still doesn't go right. And she's also a different flavor of mad. Everyone else is crazy and just kind of like, and and she's like determined and angry. I love how into croquet she is, even though she's terrible and she doesn't have to try. Yeah, like, well, she, she like does every... she's terrible. She right, she's but great. she looks like she's trying her hardest, yeah. and that's what I like about it. Amanda, did yeah. you? Yeah, chime in? yeah, yeah. I I really like like you're right. She is like, like sort of like 
um, really mean and everything, but then there's also the comedic aspect of her too that I really love. Yeah, it sort of it sort of helps take the edge off, I think. Yeah, because uh, she is really ordering a lot of people to be beheaded. Like, let's yeah. be honest, it, it is like kind of a very like intense thing mm-hmm. that she's you know sending everybody off. But yeah, that and if she was too intense, I don't think it'd work in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I think the comedic, the like when she's smiling and laughing and yeah. thanking everyone. Yeah, and the king. I think the yeah. king being so opposite. I really like the king a lot as well. I think that helps balance her out mm-hmm. a little bit. What was everyone's mu- favorite musical number? Let's, Amanda. Do you know? I I think the the Red Roses too. Although I really did like the um, the Golden Afternoon song too. But I'm I think I'm pushing for the. Paint the roses red. I was going to say the same thing, and it's such a simple song, but I really enjoyed it. I love painting the roses red. Here's me with my all my songs, but no. <laughs> yeah. I love painting the roses red, and I love the Tea Party song. It's so, it's like, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. bonkers, but I just, that one and the Twinkle Twinkle Little Bat in there, it's just, that one for me is very nostalgic. Uh, but the same with painting the roses red. As soon as it came on, I was bopping along and swaying to it, and I really did like that one a lot. I don't think, I remember the whole situation with painting the roses red, but I don't remember the song. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go through with how it holds up. Uh, guns and firearms and ethnic representation, I don't think there really was any of that. There. Yeah, you could argue that hookah could be, um, especially <laughs> like, like <laughs> you know, and like doing that little oboe piece too. Like it has like a very middle Middle Eastern feel to it. So I don't know. Like maybe maybe that could be something. But yeah, uh, besides I, that, I can't really. Yeah, I I again. If you disagree, feel free to email in. But like, if that, I mean, even that feels like sometimes when we do this, we feel like we're like trying to find the yeah. like problem. <laughs> right. Like that was just some weird thing. But but speaking of the hookah, let's talk about drinking and smoking. The eating things and the eating the mushrooms and things can be interpreted in a lot of different ways on drug use. Yes, I on th- that bit, yeah. I don't necessarily think. I mean, it's a nonsensical world, but the smoking is pretty prominent. The walrus has a cigar. The dodo has a pipe. Does anybody else smoke? Yes. The caterpillar. The dodo. Ca- the oh, the da- yeah. The, the caterpillar with the hookah. I feel like there's one more, but I can't remember it. Um. So, yeah, smoking is kind of throughout it. And I mean, like, the caterpillar smokes into her face. Like, yeah, it's, many it's, times. Yeah. Uh, female character agency. Uh, the sister had none. <laughs> uh, I mean, the sister was, like, a, a nothing yes. character. She's, like, the prince. In, well, she had more lines than the prince did in Cinderella. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's hilarious. Alice, like, you know, she wasn't going after a man. She wasn't doing any of that stuff. It was just her voyage of curiosity. Yeah, then, I think she had the, agency. And the queen was fun. It's always, I feel like the the villain characters always feel like they have more agency because they're, they're, they're commanding. Goal, well, they're commanding. Yeah. Their goal is not to, their goal isn't, I need to find a man. It's, you know, it's, it's, they have more. That's why I think a lot of the women villains have been like, uh, stayed with people through to adulthood and through their lives. Hashtag team villain. Yeah, exactly. But Amanda, what did you think about her, about Alice and it, kind of her agency? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I agree. Like, you know, it, it definitely, she, she was a child and sort of acted like one, you know, like um, she, she also made decisions that were sort of like based on, based in reality. And, you know, like, I don't know. I think it, it felt appropriate. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah, and I feel like 
her, as we mentioned, her being naive and her curiosity, it all felt natural. It didn't feel Mm -hmm. forced. It didn't feel like, you know, Ryan, you know, we did mention some points where we're like, okay, silly, like you just ate something. Like those kinds of things. But that's, again, that's being a kid that's like learning a lesson and learning it more than once in multiple ways, that kind of a thing. Right. Um, So here's a big question that always makes Tara nervous not for this not one. for this one you know where it's going up on the shelf you, baby do you put it in yes. a clamshell do you put it up on the shelf or do you mm-hmm. lock it away in the vault no way it goes up on the shelf amanda up on the shelf yeah all right i'm gonna say something that might be a little controversial oh no uh, here we go. i would put it on my sh- on the shelf simply because there's right now and i don't think we should change this but there's no repercussions of me saying that but if you were to say like only 20 of these movies can go on your shelf this one wouldn't I think this would be a quick one to get rid of. For Interesting. Me. I like mm. the characters. Uh, some, mo- a couple of the songs, but I think most of the songs are okay. I think overall the movie is a little like nothing. Like I, I agree with the, the, the guy I saw in the documentary. Oh, this was a fun diversion, but like there's so many like, especially coming off of Cinderella, which surprised me how much Cinderella I liked. was so good. And I think I, I, I can't kid, wait for you to to rewatch it, Amanda. Yeah, when, I, I think when I was a kid, if you would have told me when you're older, you're gonna like because I always wanted to watch this one more than I'd want to watch Cinderella because I thought this one was weird and wacky, and I think it's better for kids. But now as I grow up, I'm like, I'd rather watch Cinderella. Or I'd rather watch other ones. It goes low on my shelf, but I definitely think it's the one that goes up there. Hmm. Again, we're gonna have to start uh, like keeping track well i i know in my brain right now but the more movies we have probably the harder we're gonna probably have to start just having our list and like every so often yeah. posting it on social media just to be like what goes on the shelf for both of us well i think we we the reason we do the shelf is basically is it worth watching is it worth spending your time watching and yeah. this one i and think this is. one is i, but I if, think if you only have to watch if you're like i can only watch five disney features i don't think this would be on any of my list to hmm. watch one yeah i respect that yeah. Do you guys think it's one that you could just throw on and let a kid watch? Other than, I think, maybe the smoking. I, I think it'd be Oh, fun. I think so. Oh, totally. And I also yeah. think it's one, like, when we talk about the package films, if you have a younger child but you kind of want to introduce them to it, just show them the tea party or just show yeah. them. You know, you could do it You could do it in smaller uh, segments or sections, and I think it would also be fine because it's all nonsensical. So, um, you know, kind of showing them just bits and pieces I think would be fine as well. Well – Amanda, thank you so so much for uh, coming on and doing with this. And just like us. spending your night with us, like yeah. we know this is a chunk of time, and we always thank our hosts. But um, you know, we know that this is we kind of recorded this one um, in the evening, and so thank you so much. We really of appreciate course. it, and it was so good to have you on. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. We we have started doing. If you have anything you'd like to plug, now would be the time to do it. So if it's anything, it can be some piece of something you're working on it, it, it could be whatever you want it could be peace on earth I, we don't care my one plug is to uh, be more actively anti-racist i don't know if that's like okay but that's what you don't know if that's okay <laughs> 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 no that's a good I plug guess, yeah um that's definitely something that's been uh on the f- forefront of my mind especially as a person of color too and you know just uh wanting everybody to be more involved in learning and unlearning absolutely yeah and i couldn't agree more it's a great way to say it too well thank you again and uh thank you guys for listening and uh we'll see you next week with peter pan i believe thanks for listening to tara and ryan's princess diaries 
If you want to tell us your favorite Disney villain and why it's guest on, send us an email at trprincessdiaries at gmail.com. Or you can send a tweet about how great Maleficent is to at trpdiaries. Check out our Facebook group by searching for Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries. Tara and Ryan's Princess Diaries are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, and many more. Wherever you hear us, please be our knight in shining armor and give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and until next time, remember to always live happily ever after. Bye.